Steve Nerlich, Cheap Astronomy. Well, folks, it's time for another Astronomy Without a Telescope. Because things are a bit... Uh, status report, please. Unfortunately, sir, none of your expectations have been realized, and all your hopes dashed. What, again? So then, Astronomy Without a Telescope. Time freeze. There is a story told about travelling at the speed of light in which you are asked to imagine that you are standing in front of a big clock like Big Ben. You realise that your current perception of time is being informed by light reflected off the face of the clock, which is telling you it's 12 o'clock. So if you then shoot away at the same speed as that light, all you will continue to see is that clock fixed at 12, since you are moving at the same speed that this information is moving. And so you discover that at the speed of light, time essentially stands still. While there are a number of things wrong with that story, as it happens, one correct thing is that if you were able to travel at the speed of light, you would experience no passage of time although there are several reasons why this is probably an impossible situation to find yourself in. But, nonetheless, if you were able to travel at light speed and not experience the passage of time, then you would have no time available to reassess your situation. Indeed, there would be no time available for your neurons to fire. So, you might well leave Earth with the image of the clock fixed on your retina, but since your brain has stopped working, this has nothing to do with the information carried in the light beam you are moving along with. Your retina is never refreshed with a new image as long as you stay at the speed of light. Some insight into special relativity is gained by considering the context of someone who stayed back on Earth. If your light speed trip was aimed at a mirror, at Alpha Centauri, 4.3 light years away, then from their perspective, it takes you 8.6 years to go there and bounce back. This is true even though you leave and return with an image of 12 o'clock stuck on your retina and rightly announce that from your perspective, no time has passed since your departure. But really, moving at light speed and experiencing no passage of time is probably an impossible scenario for we mass-challenged beings. Relativity has it that you possess a proper mass, a proper length, and a proper time, which persist regardless of your velocity. If you could survive the g-forces to get up to such speeds, then you could happily coast at 99.95% of the speed of light, and check your pulse against your watch to find your heart still beating at 72 beats per minute, just like it did back on Earth. It's only when you check back with Earth that you see that something remarkable is happening. Moving at 99.5% of the speed of light gives you a time dilation factor of around 10. So, while someone back on Earth will still measure your trip duration at about 8.6 years, for you it will only be around 10 months. At speeds of less than 10% of the speed of light, about 30,000 kilometres a second, 
time dilation is minuscule, but from 99% of the speed of light up, it increases asymptotically towards infinity. One of the reasons that probably makes the experience of light speed time freeze unobtainable is that time dilation keeps increasing the faster you go. For example, at a speed of 99.99995% of the speed of light, you get a time dilation factor of about 1000. So, even if you have a spacecraft with an infinite power source capable of seemingly infinite velocities, you will just keep arriving at your destination before your speedometer makes it all the way from 99.9999 etc. percent of the speed of light up to a speed of c equals 1.0. This is perhaps how we will populate the universe, using difficult to imagine investments of energy coupled with the principle of time dilation to cross vast distances within our lifetimes. The trick is not to get homesick, because after covering such distances, you can never go back unless it is to meet your very, very, very great-grandchildren. I have cheated a bit here by ignoring any periods of acceleration and deceleration within the journeys described here. And that was the article. The last bit was written in italics, anticipating comments, which there were, about what happens during acceleration and deceleration, to which the answer is, well, you can't look to special relativity anymore. Special relativity is just for specific or special situations where you compare one state of inertia, say you're moving in empty space at about 100 kilometers a second, with another state of inertia where you might be moving in empty space at 290,000 kilometers a second, which is over 90% of the speed of light. In either situation, you're not accelerating, and being out in empty space, there's no gravity to speak of, so you just float weightless in microgravity, regardless of what constant velocity you have, although when you do the maths, you do find substantial relativistic effects on time, length, and mass between each of these frames of reference. If you want to talk about acceleration, well, then you're no longer weightless, and essentially those g-forces that push you back into your seat are indistinguishable from gravity. And this is where you need general relativity, Einstein's theory of gravity, to explain what's going on. Then there was discussion of how things look when you look back at Earth from the spacecraft. It is the case that if you are travelling at a constant velocity there and back, then the time dilation effect is constant throughout that trip. But because of a Doppler effect, when you look back at Earth on the way to Alpha Centauri, the image of Big Ben that you see is redshifted, and as a clock, it is actually running slower than your watch. This is because you are moving away at nearly the speed that the information is coming towards you. However, when you turn around and go back, the image of Big Ben becomes blue-shifted, and because you are constantly catching up to the information coming towards you, you then see the clock running very, very fast, 
And it's only when you're back on Earth that it becomes clear that time was always running faster on Earth throughout your whole trip. One of the best comments was to counter my suggestion that we will be able to travel around the universe in our lifetimes at nearly the speed of light. At these sort of speeds, you have a problem with the fact that space isn't empty. If you're moving at close to the speed of light, a collision with a hydrogen atom could be enough to damage or destroy your spacecraft. So whether or not Gene Rodenbury realised it at the time, this is perhaps why the Starship Enterprise has a main deflector, which somehow pushes aside any dust and deflects any radiation lying ahead of the spacecraft as it passes through at nearly the speed of light, forgetting all that warp drive nonsense. So then, let's get on with inventing a main deflector. Or maybe we'll just need to construct very empty space highways. There's options here. Okay, thanks for listening. See you next week. Steve Nerlick, Cheap Astronomy.